That's right, the hater's going to hate, but you can just shake it off. I will be the first to admit, not exactly my cup of tea musically, but how could you not start the show on the morning after the night of the Super Bowl? And what a game we had yesterday. I still recall the fella, I believe his name was Sean, that called the show last week and said, no, the Super Bowl is not going to be the biggest story of Sunday, February the 11th. Uh, yeah, Sean, it was. First and goal at the three. Lining up in the clock at 10 seconds and ticking. In the shotgun, Mahomes. Four-man front, receiver in motion, low snap. He runs and he throws, caught, touchdown! It's caught! Hard has caught the ball! The Chiefs have won! The Chiefs have won! Their third Super Bowl in five years! The Chiefs are back-to-back Super Bowl champions! It is a dynasty! It is a dynasty, as you heard right here on City News 570 last night. Bit of a slow start. Nobody can argue that. But by the end, this one will go down as one of the all-time classics, in my humble opinion. 25-22, the Kansas City Chiefs defeat the San Francisco 49ers in overtime. You gotta love it. I was personally pulling for the Kansas City Chiefs because as a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, I did not want yet another team to join the club of NFL teams with six Super Bowls. Pittsburgh was the first to six. Then along came some goofy team with Tom Brady at quarterback, and they got to six. And the San Francisco 49ers remained stuck on five. I know it's selfish, but that was my reason for choosing the team to cheer for that I did yesterday. The only places that I was unsuccessful, because with the Kansas City Chiefs being the team I was cheering for, made a little wager on the Chiefs, even though they were the underdogs, but also picked Reba McIntyre to uh, sing a national anthem that was less than 90 seconds. If she didn't do a second home of the brave, I think we were okay. We would have had the under 90 second national anthem, but she added of the brave a second time and boom. 95 seconds, lost that bet. We had orange as the color of the Gatorade that would be uh, poured on the coach. It was purple. Lost that one, too. Even had another little fun bet in there about the first song that Usher would sing. And it was not, yeah, that turned out to be the last song that he sang during a pretty decent halftime show. But you got to have a little bit of fun around the game. And I don't think anybody is having any more fun today than Patrick Mahomes and the rest of the Kansas City Chiefs because they have won three Super Bowls in five years and they are the first back-to-back Super Bowl champions in 20 years. Not a bad place to be. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. All right, let's take a look at your Farwell Show 5 for this Monday morning, February the 12th. Number one unseasonably mild weather forced the Carnival de Quebec to close one of its signature attractions on yesterday's final day of the event. In honor of the 70th anniversary of the carnival, a nine-room Bonhomme Palace was built, named after, of course, the event's famous mascot. Experts said the above-freezing temperatures in Quebec City made the two-story structure unsafe. Number two, 
on your Farwell Show 5 this morning. Nova Scotia preparing for a winter storm that could bring up to 30 centimeters of snow to the province. Residents of eastern Nova Scotia are still reeling from an astonishing 150 centimeters of snow that fell last week. Number three, it was a rough weekend for the Kitchener Rangers, who lost road games in Kingston and in Ottawa. The winning goal was scored against the Rangers with less than two minutes to play in both weekend games. Ouch. Number four on your Farwell Show 5 this morning. The provincial government will release its third quarter finances today with Finance Minister Peter Bethlen Falvey making remarks this morning at 11. And number five, well, I think you know this, don't you? Taylor Swift made it to the game in time. Usher rocked the halftime show. And the Kansas City Chiefs became the first team in 20 years to repeat as Super Bowl champions, beating San Francisco 25 22 in overtime. Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes was named the game's MVP. I'm just so proud of these guys, man, just to continue to battle through adversity to get to this point. It, it counted us out the whole way, um, and uh, I thought the guys just continued to battle, and um, it wasn't pretty, um, but we got it done, and at the end, we're the world champs. Yep, they are the world champs. Even after a rather mediocre regular season, they had to win two road playoff games to get to the Super Bowl, and then they won it. Back-to-back years, three-time in five years. And, you know, I was just considering the story at 9 o'clock with Mark Douglas from the City News Center and how Taylor Swift was booed every time she was shown on the screen at the game. I'm trying to wrap my head around why haters going to hate on something like that. Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift seem perfectly happy together. Let's just enjoy them being happy together. Can't we celebrate that? If you want to be upset about anything... Be upset about the boyfriend, Travis Kelsey, bumping into his coach like he did. That was offside. If I've ever seen an offside play before, a player bumping his coach because he was angry about not being played on a certain play. Now that we could complain about. But what a great game last night, wasn't it? It's 9-11. This is the Mike Farwell Show on City News 570. If you get to work a little tired today, that's okay. Just get to work. A lot of people, some of whom I even know, book this day off annually because they know they'll be enjoying the big game the day before, so they make sure they book the day off following so they can rest and recover. Not a bad strategy if you can make it work. One of our strategies here on this show, as I think you know very well by now is that the minute we begin the show every morning at nine Devin Robertson the guy on the other side of the glass flips a switch and all of a sudden the phone lines are open we love to hear from you at any time during the day of course we dedicate a full hour from 12 until 1 with the 12 o'clock talk back but you can reach us anytime to talk about the stories we discuss on the show 519-570-2545 star 570 and 1-800-570-5715. Bob is with us this morning. Good morning, Bob. Good morning, Mike. I just had a little rant about this Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey thing. All right. Now, you say the haters can hate, but we're trying to watch a football game, and it's constantly seeing Taylor Swift on the screen, 
seeing this, seeing that. Like, just show the football game. Show the people who are playing. Show the good plays. We don't need to see how Taylor Swift reacts to every single play, every single catch her boyfriend makes. Sure, it's great they're happy. I'm glad they're happy, but it's just too much hype. You can. You, I looked on FanDuel yesterday, Mike. You could bet on, like, there was, I think, at least six Taylor Swift bets for the football game. That's you awesome, could bet though. On Taylor Swift. You it's could. not awesome, Mike. It is awesome. It's not awesome. It's a football game. It's not a concert. Yeah, but. but people want to. People want to see the concert. They should listen to the concert. But there wasn't a concert. Okay, so just uh, let me work with you a bit on this, Bob, because I I get it. Initially, I'm like, I don't want to have a soap opera as part of my football game. I just want to watch a football game. But how many plays did you miss during the Super Bowl? Not many. I watched all of them. Right. So so when they show Taylor Swift, you're not missing the football game. There is so much downtime in a football game, they might as well show a pretty girl. I I guess, but it's just, it's why, like, it's, they don't show anyone else. They just show her. That's her not true. They went around. They showed all these celebrities that were there yesterday. I was glad we had people in the house that could tell me who they were. Adele was there. Jay-Z and Beyonce were there. Uh, Joe Montana I saw multiple times. They showed all kinds of people. Okay, but it's not just this game, Mike. It's been all season, every single time. No, every only when game. Kansas City's playing. Yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah, that's but. What I'm saying every single time. But that's what I'm saying, Bob. It's just Taylor Swift. But you, you didn't miss Instagram, a single play. You every single mi- post, ESPN's posting, it's about Taylor Swift. Not every single well, post. There's three posts, there's three posts a day. That's okay. About Taylor Swift. That's okay. No, it's not okay. She's it's the biggest star account. in the world. But it, it, it's a sports account. It's not meant for music. <laughs> it, it's not music. It's Taylor Swift. Okay, but she's a musician. Why are we showing this on sports accounts? I, Nobody cares. People who are on ESPN care about the sports. In the football game, they don't care about whatever else jazz is going on with Taylor Swift and you, Travis Kelsey. You know what Let I think, Bob? have a private relationship. It doesn't need to be this public. Well, you have a good day. Okay, <laughs> okay. Bob's up. he wanted to make his point. He's upset. Unfortunately, I actually, there's a part of me that feels bad for Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift because they cannot have a private relationship. There were, I think there's 53 people on a football team. I guarantee ding dang to you, 52 other people on that football team, have a private relationship because they don't have superstar partners. But unfortunately for Travis Kelsey and or Taylor Swift, she does, he does. And so it becomes a big thing. And listen, I get you on the sports account and the the game being a sporting event, but if it's one thing we know for sure, it's that every single entity out there, from broadcast to sports to whatever is looking for a way to make more people interested in their product. And you know what? If ESPN, I don't follow them on Instagram, but if you're saying they're posting multiple times a day about Taylor Swift, I guarantee you, Bob, if you're not the person that's interested, there are other people in your life probably that are interested in that. And that's a good thing for ESPN. That's all. Kyle, good morning. Why are people complaining about 30 seconds of her video time versus three hours of football? Well, that's just I'm, it, Kyle. And it's not even three hours of football. It's not even her. It's not even, it's not like she goes to the place and controls about who shows her on TV, her and her boyfriend. Like, it's not like they go to the game and she's like, hey, put me on TV for 30 seconds or put me on TV for 45 seconds. She's there just like everybody else watching a football game. And the fact that people are complaining about 30 seconds over four and a half or three and a half hours of football, you know, give your head a shake here, people. There's, there are worse issues like that. Like you said, that guy going after the coach. I mean, I'd rather talk about that then. No kidding, that. eh? Like, if you want to get on the Travis and, and Taylor 
relationship thing. I heard Travis Kelsey say earlier this week when he was asked about it, well, people just don't like us because we're putting all this kindness into the world. That's our, you know, something along those lines. I'm like, dude, it's not kind to bump your 65-year-old coach and almost knock him over. Nope, nope, not at all. I, I thought, he, I mean, if I was the coach, I would have benched him for the rest of the game. I mean, I don't care how big of a player you are. I don't care if he's a superstar. You never, you always act professional. And the fact that he did that, I would have benched him for sure. But anyway, nobody wants to talk about that. So I, that's all I've got to say. Thanks there, Mike. All right, Kyle, I appreciate it. We can talk about 30 seconds or 45 seconds of Taylor Swift versus a three, almost four hour. Well, it was over four hours. That winning touchdown didn't come till close to 11 o'clock last night in overtime. So more than four hours of football. But just remember, when you watch your average NFL game, there's about, what, 40, 45 minutes of actual time played. Everything else is just filler. So replays, crowd shots, etc. Taylor Swift is the itty-bitty, teeniest part of that. I don't know why it gets people so upset. We'll take more calls right after this. It's the Mike Farwell Show on City News 570. 9.26, four minutes away from an update in the City News Center. Lots of time to talk to you, as always, on the show. Let's go back to the phones. Paul, good morning. Morning, how you doing? Hey, I'm okay. How are you? Eh, still vertical. Not a boy. You mentioned you mentioned a name there that triggered a memory. Okay, so I figured I'd give you a buzz. I was uh, I was sitting in before I retired. I traveled a lot. I was sitting in uh, San Francisco airport uh, waiting for a connection, and just sitting there. And everybody's going, "Oh, Joe Montana's on this flight. Joe Montana's on this flight." You know, so I start looking around, you know, and trying to see if there's somebody there that I recognize or something, but they keep going, Joe Montana's on this flight. Joe. So I go to the guy next to me. I said, who the hell is Joe Montana? He just, I, the look on his face, he just thought that I cursed out his mother or something. If Joe Montana just our greatest. I think it was, was he a quarterback or something. <laughs> yes. I did. I don't know. I think he scored, uh, you know, so many. I don't know how many baskets he scored. But he, Listen. He, he, <laughs> guy's going on the greatest, uh, you know, whatever of, uh, you know, uh, some team in San Francisco. I, oh, I, that must have been football, too, was it? You're a funny guy, Paul. You you brought your sense of humor Monday morning, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, no, hey, it's a true story, though. I had no idea who Joe Montana was. <laughs> I recognized the name. You know, but uh, now if they just said Joe Namath, I just said, "Oh, that's that guy in the Patty Hose commercial." Okay, Paul. <laughs> that may be going before your time. Thank you for the call. But- Always nice to hear from you. I'm trying to remember which commercial Joe Montana did. I don't think he did the one for the Isotoner gloves. That was Dan Marino, right? Anyway, Joe Montana. Even I could admit, not not the greatest. No, no, that was TB12, the original TB12, Terry. Bradshaw, greatest quarterback to ever play the game. I will not take arguments. But Joe Montana was pretty special. It was good to see him last night. And I would have been kind of excited to run into him in an airport. Frank, good morning. Good morning. I just wanted to comment about the uh, gentleman that was complaining about Taylor Swift. Yeah. I could could hear just the tears running down his face. He was so upset. Taylor Swift got 55 to 58 seconds out of out of a four-hour broadcast yesterday. That's it. This guy probably complains when he orders on on Amazon 
some pillows, gets them to his house, and they don't match his decor, so he puts down a one-star review. <laughs> Complainers. It's so crazy. Frank, I... Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Look, you're you're welcome to rant against the, as Frank points out, approximately 55 seconds of screen time that Taylor Swift got during a four-plus-hour football broadcast last night. You can rant about it if you want. But in all honesty, if you could just take a breath and, and look at it from above, I think you'd realize it is just, I mean... Why would something like this upset you so much? Why? It doesn't take away from one play in the game. It doesn't take away from the exciting finish. It doesn't take away anything. It's just another part of it. Like, I, it's it's definitely a misplaced rant. But, hey, sometimes it just feels better to get it off your chest. Frank did it, and, uh, oh, my gosh, I'm blanking on his name. Who called in it? Bob, who called initially, did it, too. Fill your boots. That's something that we're able to do as part of this show. All right, an update from the City News Center is coming up. And then what about those businesses in that plaza on Victoria Street that the region just bought? What becomes of them in the days, weeks, and years ahead? We'll talk about it on the Mike Farwell Show. This is City News 57. Well, as we told you last week, the region of Waterloo is making a near $20 million purchase of property on Victoria Street in Kitchener. $19.7 million to be exact. Council deciding at its meeting last week that would be the price paid for the plaza that's on Victoria Street at the corner of Duke. It's right next to the encampment at Victoria and Weber, and the region says this is the last piece of the overall puzzle of their efforts to accumulate land on Victoria Street from King all the way to Weber. There will be a new central transit station constructed at Victoria and King, and then following along down to Weber, there is an opportunity for all sorts of transit-related development. So the region now owns all of that land from King to Weber along Victoria Street. This latest purchase, though, just so happens to be in a plaza that is still home to several local businesses that are still in operation and and doing business. So what becomes of them? Audrey Speaker is one of those business owners of Wonderland Tattoo Studio, and Audrey makes time for our show. Good morning, Audrey. Hi, Mike. Thanks for having me. Thanks very much for making the time to, to share the story. So... Did you were you aware that the the region was looking or that this property was up for sale? No, uh, we found out from a news reporter coming by to ask if we knew that this had happened. Uh, after I heard that, I did look online and I could find the listing. Um, but yeah, no, we nobody told the tenants anything about this happening. Okay, so obviously not the way you would want to learn about this. Uh, what, no, what now? Uh, well, we don't know. I mean, you know as much about this as we know about it. Uh, hopefully next month, once like the deal is closed, the region will tell us what their plan is. Uh, they did send a notification around through the landlord on Friday saying, you know, business as usual for now. But we don't know how long that is, what that really entails. Um, 
I don't think any of the businesses here were expecting to not have their lease renewed as an option anytime in the near future. So we'll see how much go. How much time do you have left on your current lease? Uh, August 31st of this year. Oh, wow. Okay. So that is that possible then? Are you th- maybe even thinking about what am I going to have to do basically as of September? Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, if, if we don't know what the region's plans are, you know, if, if they want to extend our lease, maybe that's potentially a possibility. Um, do you want to be tenants of the region after our dealings with the region last couple of years? You know, we have to discuss. Like, we have to think about that. We'll see. And we'll see. When you talk about those dealings with the region over the last couple of years, Audrey, that goes to something else I alluded to in the introduction to this, and that is the plaza where Wonderland Tattoo Studio is, is immediately yes. adjacent to that large outdoor encampment at Weber and Victoria. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the lack of transparency with the region seems to be like a ongoing theme here when it comes to the tenants at 70 Victoria Street. So it makes us a little leery of when we're going to find out the pertinent information that we need to know to move forward. What would the impact be on business, Audrey, if you were forced to relocate? Well, I think that you know, the tattoo shop is in a more fortunate position than a lot of the other tenants. Um, people will come to where we're at, uh, but nobody expected to, you know, for sure have to make that switch. A lot of the other businesses, like, you know, the, the cake box, they can't just pick up and move. You know, that space has been, like, built, things are built in there. How far out do their contracts go? I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Jessica has contracts that go past her lease date. People book their weddings years in advance. Like, that's got to be quite the headache to have to try and figure that out without still knowing any kind of timeline. So how did you feel when you heard the news that this property had been sold and that the region was the new landowner? Just surprised that... That was the first that we were hearing about it. And a little, like, as a resident of the region, not necessarily as a business person, kind of surprised that they made this purchase without doing something about the encampment. $20 million is a lot of money to spend when there's a lot of our neighbors are cold. You know, $20 million, you could have bought each of them a regular house, um, but there's still no plan as to what they're going to do. You know, they say it's complex and they deal with it on a case-by-case basis. And, you know, we understand that. But what are they going to do differently that they haven't been doing the last two years that's actually going to do something? You know, these people clearly need help and they're deserving of help. So it's frustrating to see them not to get it when they're willing to drop that much money on this for a project that they can't complete until they deal with that issue. You know, it's interesting, Audrey, because when last we talked, it was about your concerns as a business owner, and understandably so, as someone trying to operate a business right next to the encampment. And it sounds like, you know, and it's probably been a year since we last spoke, but it it sounds like things haven't really gotten a whole lot better in the area for you? No, um, no. 
And there's more people here over the winter this winter than there were the previous winter. And if patterns continue, there will be more people there once the weather warms up. You know, you can't blame these people for not really enjoying the shelter system. So once it's easier to not be in the shelter system, a lot of people choose that. That's their own choosing. Um, But we need to help these people get off the streets. And that needs to be a priority. Audrey, I appreciate you making time for the show this morning. Thank you very much for being here. Thanks. Have a good day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Audrey Speaker is the owner of Wonderland Tattoo Studio, one of several businesses at the Plaza on Victoria Street, right there at the corner of Duke. The Cake Box is another one of the businesses that you heard Audrey make reference to. And they have learned, somewhat surprisingly, that they are going to have to relocate and continue doing business elsewhere. Now, in fairness, you heard Audrey talk about the region is going to have to figure out what to do with the encampment at Weber and Victoria as it moves forward with its plans for this rather large piece of property, stretch of properties, really, again, from Victoria and King all the way down to uh, Victoria and Weber. This is not going to happen. None of it's going to happen overnight. We don't even have, to the best of my knowledge, we've seen some renderings out, but I don't think we even have things in place yet fully for the construction of the central transit station at King and Victoria. So, And that would obviously be the first piece of this. There is a lot more property from there down to Weber Street that will be dealt with, I would suspect, in pieces along the way, right? Start with the central transit station and then see what else happens. Maybe you can get some of it done concurrently and have a new building going up or some of this other transit-related development as the central station is being built as well. But it's going to be, I suspect, like we're talking years down the road here. It's not months for sure. Hopefully, and we heard Kitchener Mayor Barry Verbanovic tell us on the show last week that the city would be working with these businesses as plans move forward. So... Hopefully for the businesses there, it is a smoother transition. But lots of work to be done. No question about that. This is the Mike Farwell Show on City News 570. Well, you've no doubt seen those little orange scooters around town, right? The pilot project that welcomed them to our community began last year. And so successful was that introductory season that they are already planning for year number two. Isaac Ransom is the head of corporate affairs with Neuron Mobility. That's the company behind those little orange scooters. And Isaac makes time for our show this morning. Good morning, Isaac. Good morning. How are you, Mike? I'm well, thank you. How are you? Good, thanks. Good. What did you learn during the first year of operation in the region of Waterloo? Well, it's a uh, it's a very unique program. Uh, it's the only program in Canada that uh, has multiple municipalities participating across uh, their borders, and so we learned a lot about how uh, people are using uh, 
the shared e-scooters and e-bikes across uh, those three uh, communities in the region. And what we saw is that, you know, uh, riders racked up almost 400,000 kilometers of rides over uh, the, the first uh, months of operations of the program. And we saw uh, a, high num- a high number of people uh, uh, sign up for the program and uh, taking close to 200,000 trips. So uh, a really remarkable outcome for uh, the first, uh, the first uh, year of operations in the region of Waterloo. And uh, we're looking to uh, continue that, uh, that uptake into uh, this year when the weather improves a little bit. Uh, to see how uh, riders will continue to use the devices in the second year of the program. You mentioned those 200,000 rides, Isaac, and the 400,000 kilometers plus traveled. Do you try to quantify that in any way in terms of an economic impact or greenhouse gas emissions saved, et cetera? Yeah, we certainly do. I mean, uh, the the local economic impact we uh, estimate is about $8.2 million dollars. Uh, in the region, and that's uh, uh, based on the average spend that, that riders uh, uh, will take during their, their trip. Uh, and then we also see that about half of these trips are replacing a car ride, which is having a significant impact on reducing CO2 emissions in the region. Um, and this is in line with many of our markets across Canada where we see similar trends emerge, uh, which is really, really encouraging to see, and it, it certainly helps the local municipalities achieve their uh their uh, their greenhouse uh, emission reduction and other environmental objectives as well. Are there things that you would like to see change or any improvements you think you might be able to make as you look ahead to a second season here in the region? Yeah, I think we're always trying to look at ways that we can provide a better service for our riders. And uh, right now the region is encouraging people to suggest maybe where we could be looking at different parking stations Certainly, we're looking at areas where we might be able to expand the service next year, and riders have provided us with a lot of great feedback during our end-of-season survey last year. And so I think we expect to see a lot of tweaks to the program in terms of offering a more comprehensive service area. Certainly, uh, a lot of students are using our our devices to to travel and not just to school uh, to study, but also to their place of work and and to uh, visit many of the local businesses. And so we need to make sure that we can continue to optimize our riding area to not only provide uh, a transportation option for for many people, but also to uh, ensure that the municipalities reap the the largest economic benefit of the program that's being uh, run in the region. For those who may be unfamiliar with the Neuron Mobility Scooters, Isaac, what, what do folks need to know, particularly when it comes to uh, the safety of operating one of these scooters. Yeah, well, there's the the well, there's a, a number of things to know, of course. But the, the first and foremost is to understand that the shared e-scooters uh, that are in the the region of Waterloo are designed specifically for shared for shared use. These are not uh, personal devices. Um, they are meant for uh, doing a lot of rides and they're designed with safety in mind. Neuron is unique in the fact that we design and manufacture all of our e-scooters in-house specifically for these programs, which means that we have safety front of mind when we build these devices. Um, You'll notice that the the scooters are highly visible. They're hard to miss on the street, but every e-scooter comes with a helmet, which is the single most important piece of safety equipment. 
that's on the e-scooter. They're required in the region of Waterloo. And that's why we provide riders with a financial incentive to take a selfie with the helmet, whether it's ours or yours, uh, before you take your trip in to wear a helmet. While riders are using the e-scooters, they'll notice that there are certain areas that they are not able to take them. And the e-scooter has voice assistance to help you understand what's going on during your trip. So if you happen to go onto a sidewalk, the e-scooter will let you know that you've gone into an area that you shouldn't be riding on and that you should return to the street. Similarly, there are areas where the speed will automatically be adjusted to keep people sharing the space around you safe, as well as the the person riding the e-scooter. And again, the e-scooter will speak to you. In-app, there's a number of great functions, such as allowing you to share your trip uh, with a family or or loved one so they can see where you're going during your trip. And there's a lot of great safety uh, education modules within the app that are incentivized for for riders as well, and reminders and educational um, activities that are ongoing through the year for those that have signed up for the app. So we take a lot of a lot of time and a great deal of care to reach our riders and share the rules. And it's always remember it's always important to remember that you need to be of a certain age, which is uh, 16 with parental consent or 18 in the region, and that it's very important not to ride while under the influence. It was a pretty impressive uh, first year of operation from where I'm sitting for sure. Looking forward to season number two. Isaac, thanks very much for joining the show this morning. Uh, Thanks for your time. Always a pleasure. Isaac Ransom, head of corporate affairs with Neuron Mobility, those orange e-scooters you've seen around town. I honestly thought, because I remembered the Lime Scooter experiment, which I didn't think went all that well, you essentially found littered lime all over the community way back when. I did not notice that with these scooters at all. Maybe I just missed it, but I feel like I get around town quite a bit. Uh, I thought they did a pretty bang-up job with it. I know a few people that had a few adult beverages and then took them for spins, and you heard Isaac talk about that being a no-no. But I certainly didn't uh, see this as the potential disaster that it could have been by any stretch of the imagination. And imagine that. You need parental consent if you're 16 to use one of those scooters. That's interesting in the larger context. This is the Mike Farwell Show on City News 570. Well, just like that, we are ready for an update from the City News Center. And then are we ready for electoral reform in this country? We're getting closer, at least if you ask me, and you'll find out why I feel that way. In our next conversation, this is the Mike Farwell Show on City News. A local MP tried to do what the Prime Minister would not. That's how I'll sum up this next conversation, because you'll remember back in 2015, I know, almost nine full years ago, Justin Trudeau promised us that the next election would be the last one contested under the antiquated first-past-the-post, winner-take-all electoral system. Alas, that electoral reform never came to pass, but that did not dissuade Kitchener Centre MP Mike Morris, who represents Kitchener Centre under the Green Party's banner, from bringing forward a motion to strike a National Citizens Assembly to look into electoral reform. The the challenge with doing this as a Green MP, uh, 
one of only three federally, is that you got to get a whole lot of support. And you needed 170 votes in order to carry that motion through. Unfortunately, Mike didn't get the 170 votes that he needed. He did get 102 votes. And Mike joins the show this morning to talk about it. Are you surprised, Mike, disappointed at all after that vote? How do you feel? Well, I guess it was surprising insofar as it has to be true for other MPs as it is for me that in communities across the country, people are disappointed with the way our politics currently operates, right? How many people are concerned with how nasty and how divisive, how childlike the House of Commons is? Um, How many people do we have in each of our own lives who will complain and say, you know, I, I voted last time just to keep somebody out. I was scared of somebody else. So I didn't actually vote for what I wanted. I voted for what I was hoping to keep out. Um, you know, that is, you know, almost every week in our community, I hear someone sharing with me not about a particular policy I might have voted for, but about the style of our politics and how disappointed we are in it. In fact, so many politicians I see on Twitter complaining about how divisive and how extreme things are. Um, And we know that this doesn't happen by accident. Um, This is about the way we have chosen to elect people. And so I guess I was surprised um, and not surprised (laughs) Um, because obviously uh, politics has gotten in the way of improving the way elect we elect people so many times in the past, um, and it it did once again here. You needed 170 votes for the motion to pass. You got yeah. 102. What are those 102 votes, though, telling you, Mike? Well, it's that we had people across the country who had their voices heard here. So not only did did we need 170 votes, but we knew that the two largest parties, the uh, the party line from both the conservative and the liberal party was to vote against. Which, back to your other question, is somewhat surprising because in the liberal party's case, they had their own convention of their grassroots members uh, just under a year ago, and their own members prioritized a motion on improving our democracy, on electoral reform. They voted on it, and they voted in favor. However, despite that, uh, the official party line from, from the Liberal Party on this vote was against, the Conservatives were against, and yet we still had 102 people vote in favor. To get to that number... It means we had to have the entire Bloc Québécois caucus supporting, the NDP supported, Greens supported, every independent MP. There are three of them right now. But even more meaningful to me is we had 39 Liberal MPs voting for the motion and voting against their party's position and three Conservative MPs. The most voting against their party um, on both of those sides of any vote over this entire parliamentary session. Um, It's the the numbers I have, it's around 99.6% of the time MPs vote the way their parties tell them to along what's called the party line. 
And so to have that number vote in a way that prioritizes what they heard from their communities, I look back at the year and a half of organizing that people across the country did groups, young people through a group called Apathy is Boring, uh, Lead Now, a group called Fair Vote Canada, who had um, folks in communities across the country getting petitions signed, meeting with their MPs, leaving voicemails with their MPs, and all of that grassroots democracy had an impact. Now, it wasn't enough of an impact, but those 102 votes those vote, and particularly the 39 Liberals who voted uh, differently than their party and the three Conservatives who did the same, that was because of people power. It was people who said, you know what, I'm not going to just wait till the next election and complain when that time comes around again. I'm going to get involved in between elections. And, you know, it made, it made a difference. Is there... Is there a form of voting that you would prefer to see, Mike, absent this citizens' uh, assembly that got voted down? I mean, do you have a preference that you'd like to see? Well, I've been careful in sharing it now because obviously I do, and I advocated about it long before I was elected. Um, and here, I want to answer your question. I believe that every vote should count. In my view, it's a pretty simple idea that that no person should go to the ballot box and not have their voice represented. My view is that we shouldn't have anyone who you know, says, I'm not going to vote at all. And we have a lot of people in our community who choose not to vote. And one of the main reasons is people who've said, it doesn't matter, it's not going to count, or it's too nasty, it's too divisive, I'm, I'm tired and done with the promise breaking and the lies and all the rest. Well, if you want to address all of that, you have a system where you make sure that people's voices are represented in the parliaments uh, that are representing them. That would be through a style called proportional representation. You know, 85% of the OECD countries around the world already use proportional representation. We are one of the last remaining who have held on tight, in fact, our politicians who've held on tight, to the fear-based winner-take-all, first-past-the-post. But as I say that, I also want to admit that now as an elected person, I really am trying to take the politics out of it, and I am now in a system of politics. And so the motion that was just voted down didn't actually call for anything that I personally believe, uh, you know, a, a style that I'm advocating for. All it called for was simply to create a citizens' assembly, like a a jury of regular folks who would receive expert advice and make recommendations back to the House of Commons. It didn't actually prescribe any one course of action. And the hope was to, um, to, to, to build as much support as possible for simply making recommendations to improve our democracy. But if you ask me point blank, Mike, uh, there's uh, that is the answer for me is I, I believe we should move towards a system where every vote counts. I certainly hope that this is indicative that we can move towards some sort of change. If the National uh, Citizens Assembly decides differently, fine, because it would be, I guess, the Citizens Assembly's choice. But do you get the same sense, maybe, that, that there's reason for optimism following this vote? I am so encouraged from this vote, Mike. Um, this is, in my view, it's like a, a dent in the armor 
of the partisan politics that plagues our democracy. This shows that when people across the country and in our community take the time to write their MP, to meet with their MP, to get petitions signed, that their votes, the the votes of their MP can change. And it did. Now, for each of those 39 liberals, those three conservatives, that did not happen in a vacuum. It happened because people cared enough and they prioritized their democracy enough to take the time to engage with their MP, to make sure their MP knew the, the, the extent to which it mattered to those folks. And as a result, we saw those votes change at a time when they had their party telling them this is how the way the rest of us are going, are going to vote. And so that is, you know, in some ways it's frustrating because of how slow uh, change can be, uh, particularly when, you know, m- many folks in our community won't forget the prime minister promised 1,800 times in 2015 that that would be the last election under winner-take-all, fear-based, first-past-the-post. And so, you know, it's, it's slow to move in a direction towards a more decent, a more respectful, a more diverse, um, a less divisive democracy. But the fact that we had this vote at all, you know, this was a year and a, and a half in the making since I first put forward uh, the original motion that then led to the one that got voted on just last week. Uh, and and I take some satisfaction from seeing the extent to which regular folks across the country got engaged, got their voices heard, and it resulted in a vote that moved us in the right direction at least. And for folks in our community for whom this is uh, who are similarly concerned about improving our democracy, to me this is a little bit of hope that we can continue to push and uh, and hopefully see an even better result the next time around. I am encouraged by your optimism. Uh, as always, Mike, <laughs> I appreciate your time on the show today. Thanks for being here. Well, Mike, thanks for having me. It's, it's optimism grounded in the reality of, of a, a bit of a win and the step towards uh, a better and more fair democracy. Keep up the good work. Thanks again. Thank you. Take care. Mike Morris, Green MP, who represents Kitchener Centre, brought forward a motion looking to strike a National Citizens Assembly to consider some electoral reform in this country. Needed 170 votes for the motion to move forward. Instead, it got 102. But it did get cross-party support in our House of Commons. That's not the easiest thing to accomplish. Three members of the federal conservative party voted in favor of the motion on electoral reform 39 members of the federal liberals including two right here in the region of waterloo voted in favor of that motion it didn't get through this time and it will probably take a long time as mike notes sometimes these things take painfully long but i for one find myself somewhat encouraged by this what do you think i mean Lord knows we need electoral reform, right? This is the Mike Farwell Show on City News 570 and Rogers TV. 
This is about the way we have chosen to elect people. And so I guess I was surprised and not surprised <laughs> because obviously politics has gotten in the way of improving the way we elect people so many times in the past. And it did once again here. That is the perfect clip selected by Devin Robertson, our guy on the other side of the glass, to share a portion of the conversation with you that we just had with Mike Morris, Green MP, who represents Kitchener Centre. Mike brought forward a motion that ultimately failed. He needed 170 votes to get it to move forward, got 102 instead. But asking that we in this country strike a National Citizens Assembly to discuss the idea of electoral reform. And you heard Mike say there that politics has gotten in the way of us moving forward with something meaningful in this regard. And he's so right. Mike reminded us in our conversation a moment ago that the prime minister, before he was prime minister, when liberal leader Justin Trudeau was campaigning the first time back in 2015, he promised, and I've said this before, I've shared this with you, it was the reason I voted liberal in 2015. And I can tell you again that I have not voted liberal since because that was what got me. You got me. And then you lied to me. It just, I don't understand. Well, I do understand because as you heard in that clip that Devin Robertson selected for us, politics got in the way. You see, and this has been well documented, the liberals won another minority in the most recent election because... They figured out how to, like, hyper-target their campaign efforts. And they've become expert campaigners. We're really, it's almost like a, a marketing exercise, right? We're just commodities. We're just consumers of votes. They know what votes they need to get, where they need to get them, how many they need, and they just worked it out so perfectly. That's why. We have not been able to have any meaningful conversations about electoral reform in this country because the parties that benefit greatest from keeping the same old, same old system are the parties that are in power and they don't want to give up power. Sadly, elections or politics in this country has become almost completely about how to get elected and then stay elected as opposed to about doing meaningful things and making meaningful change for the country. I, I believe that sincerely. The number one priority. I'm not saying we have nothing getting done. I'm saying the number one priority, once you do get elected, is to stay elected. And that is wrong. And that's why we need more than ever electoral reform. I am all for proportional representation for what it's worth. How long is it going to take for us to get there? Hopefully. Hopefully, I see it in my lifetime. And that's a sad statement to have to make. This is the Mike Farwell Show on City News 570 and Rogers TV. Have you made your own love affirmation yet? Or seen them at Conestoga Mall in Waterloo. Uh, two days till Valentine's Day. Also two days until the end of this particular campaign. But it might not be exactly 
what you think. We will talk a little bit more about the love formations before 11 o'clock. Also, there is a local band in the city of Guelph that is almost as old as the country. It is approaching its 150th anniversary. And there is a show upcoming that mixes the music with some comedy. So we will tell you about that as well. All of that coming up in the next 30 minutes. Right now, it's off to the City News Centre for an update. You're listening to the Mike Farwell Show on City News 570 and Rogers TV. Love formations for our well-being and mental health. We'll get to that before 11 this morning. Eh, Maybe 10, 12 minutes from now, you'll learn more. I think it's a pretty cool idea, and it's on display in Waterloo as we speak. You can also see pictures for yourself on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash the Mike Farwell Show. But before we get to love formations, just ahead of Valentine's Day, of course, uh, we take a closer look at a band in Guelph that is coming up now on its 150th anniversary, which is a remarkable thing indeed. It is the Guelph Concert Band, and its treasurer, Stephen Oliver, joins the program this morning. Stephen, why don't we just start with the band itself, because I must confess, and I'm a little embarrassed after all of these years of existence, that I had not heard of the work you do. So what is the Guelph Concert Band? So we are a wind, primarily wind ensemble. Um, we have uh, an extensive percussion section. Uh, currently, we are sitting around 70 members, which is relatively large for for most bands, but it's larger than it's been in previous years that I've been a member of the band. Um, we are an entirely nonprofit organization. We're uh, all of our funding is entirely done through ticket sales and membership fees. Um, as far as our existence, we've been around for almost 150 years, as you mentioned. Uh, we started in 1878 and have been a com- community ensemble ever since. So we play a few concerts every year. Our upcoming will be our February concert in, at the River Run Center, which is our annual gala show. And we play two other concerts, a festive concert in the, in early December and a summer concert in June. And then we play our outdoor summer shows at the end of June to wrap up our concert year. What was it, Stephen, that drew you to the Guelph Concert Band? I played music in high school, and after I spent, I've been long out of high school now, and about eight years ago, my high school, Centennial CVI in Guelph, had their 50th anniversary. And that really got me engaged in wanting to play again because I got contacted by by one of the organizer of the program and by my former music teachers to come and play a concert. And I hadn't played in such a long time. And so they uh, had some instruments available because I didn't have my saxophone at the time. And I went and played, and it was like, this really invigorated me to want to go back and play. So that's... That was basically the catalyst for it, and I've been in the band ever since. 
you mentioned that 150 years of tradition for the Guelph Concert Band. I guess you'll mark that anniversary in, in 2028, but it's, yeah. it, it's, it's incredible to think not only that it can last essentially about as long as the country, be as old as the country, but also we know how challenging the arts and culture space is currently, Stephen, and how difficult the COVID years were on organizations like yours. How did you make it to this point? Well, thankfully, a lot of management uh, really came into play. We did shut down, obviously, for a couple of years, and then we started, once things started getting back to somewhat normalcy, we were doing outdoor rehearsals for during the summer for a little while, a couple of years back, and then uh, come, the, I guess, September 2022 is when we started doing full in, indoor rehearsals again, and that definitely... Uh, helped us get rolling. It's been challenging with the cost of increase of rental space and things like that to, uh, you know, maintain profitability as a as a nonprofit organization to pay our you know pay those rental costs and stuff like that. Right, but we've we've managed to thrive and we're we're getting back to where we were. We do have a new um, artistic director and conductor now. Uh, a, a gal named Lauren Helmer, who is actually a former classmate of mine from high school, and she came in last in September 2022, or sorry, December 2022, and uh, has been leading our ensemble ever since. You mentioned that at 70 members, uh, it, it's a rather large ensemble for a, a wind ensemble. Do you do you have room for more members? Is this open to the community to join? It is entirely open for anybody to join. Anybody who wants to come and play with us, they're more than welcome. We are currently in need, actually, of, uh, in particular, euphonium players. Because um, we only have two at the moment. We started it with four or five, and unfortunately a couple have had to drop out because of other commitments and things of that nature. So that's definitely... But yes, we're open to everybody. Is if, if you love playing music, you're more than welcome to come and join us. You mentioned that gala show coming up uh, on February the 25th, Stephen, at the River Run Center, and there's a, a a comedic element to this, if I can put it that way. Oh, yes. We're, uh, we're very much looking forward to this one. So we have um, a comedian coming as our MC, Jackie Pirico, who's absolutely hilarious, by the way. I've, I was listening to uh, her, her latest uh, Juno-nominated uh, stand-up album recently, and He's going to be a riot. We're, we're looking to have so much fun with this. So our musical consists of music, obviously, from you know comedy uh, shows and movies and stuff like that. So your, your Looney Tunes and uh, like Fox comedies like Family Guy and The Simpsons and stuff like that, as well as some older older material like Mary Poppins. What sort of material do you traditionally play, or does it vary from one show to the next? It does vary from one show to the next. We so in the winter time we play like more Christmas and fest winter themed music. We try to branch a little bit away from the Christmas uh, carols and stuff like that of previous years, but we we do still play obviously in that style. And then we have our our River Run show is usually our pops concert where we play um, more contemporary music, you know, popular music. music jazz, that sort of stuff. And then our spring concert is usually a mixture of, you know, some uh, wind band 
music and pops as well. So we we don't we don't try to stick to one genre over the other. We do play classical music as well. It just kind of depends if it fits the theme of the concert that we're playing. Where can people go, Stephen, to find out more about the Guelph Concert Band? We have a website. That'd be GuelphConcertBand.ca. We are also on Facebook and Instagram. You can look up Guelph Concert Band, and you can follow us there. Really easy. GuelphConcertBand.ca. I'm so happy to hear that you've rediscovered your love of music since high school and that the band is still going strong as you approach 150 years. Thanks so much for making time for the show today, Stephen. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot, Mike. We do appreciate it. Stephen Oliver is the treasurer of the Guelph Concert Band, almost 150 years strong in the Royal City, and I would never have known if not for an email that Stephen sent me. And that led to the conversation we just had. Again, the website is really easy, guelphconcertband.ca. And looking ahead to next Sunday, the 25th, at the River Run Center, you can enjoy the show, Just the Funny Bits. It'll be a mix of music and comedy hosted by Jackie Perico. guelphconcertband.ca, the site you can visit for more information. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, what on earth is a love formation? And why do I want you to care about it? We'll talk about that coming up on the Mike Farwell Show. This is City News 570 and Rogers TV. Well, if you've been to Conestoga Mall in Waterloo over the past five days or so, particularly in and around the Winner's Court area, you may have noticed the Love Formation Wall. We're making up words as we go along, but as you approach Valentine's Day, why not Love Formation? It's like a daily affirmation you can make, and really a lot of it provides an opportunity for some self-reflection. The beauty of this is that for every affirmation you make, Conestoga Mall is making a donation to Camino Wellbeing and Mental Health. The CEO at Camino Wellbeing and Mental Health is Tracy Elop, who joins us for a conversation this morning. Good morning, Tracy. Good morning, Mike. How are you? I'm doing really well, thank you. How are you? I'm doing great, thank you. Glad to hear that. And what a lovely idea. We've got some pictures posted on our Facebook page as well so people can get a better sense of what this is. But what can you tell us about the Love Formation Wall at Conestoga Mall? Well, you know, you gave a lot of good information about it, Mike, already. Um, You go to this Love Formation Wall, and on that wall there are a number of different affirmation cards posted and you can go and look at them and you can identify the ones the one or ones that speak to you and it's it's such a great opportunity for us to reflect on what we need for ourselves what uh what we need from other people uh you said that communal well-being and mental health we're a community mental health organization and so much of mental health and well-being starts with how we view ourselves. 
So it, it really is an amazing opportunity to just sit and reflect or stand and reflect for a few minutes. As I look at the photos, one that, of course, stands out to somebody like me that says, I'm allowed to be loud. Uh, I think I've become comfortable with that over the years. Another one, though, that really resonates, I am beautiful, I love my body. And we know that body image, self-image is so hard for so many. Why is it important for us, Tracy, to maybe, if if we're at Conestoga Mall, as this love affirmation wall is there until Wednesday, great. But even outside of the week that this has been happening in Winter's Court at Conestoga Mall, why is it important for us to have these maybe even daily moments of reflection? I think when you think about well-being, it's about relationships. And it's about the relationship we have with ourselves and uh, valuing ourselves and reminding ourselves that that we are valued, that we uh, deserve to be loved that it's okay uh, when things aren't going as well as you might think they want, that you want them to go. And, you know, I think when I went, uh, when I went to the mall and, and looked around, it was, it was curious to me how thoughtful people were about taking time to read everything and choose the one that means the most to them specifically. I know that when I went, I actually looked at it also from the perspective of people I love and uh, trying to think about what my family or my friends might need from me. And and I actually picked out some for uh, my adult kids to send them in the mail. And I was thinking about young families and the ability or partners going to this love formation and and identifying, you know, taking a card and then maybe asking each other, why did you pick that card? What is it about that one that is meaningful to you? And and starting the relationship conversation with one another so that we can really know how to show up for, for one another. Imagine how great it would be to take one of these things, put it on your uh, your vanity mirror or in a pocket and come across it. Uh, at the time that you need it most and be able to say, oh, you know, I I am intelligent or I am funny or my friends will love me for who I am. And I think all of us need that periodically, that that validation of who we are. And, and that's at the core of mental health and well-being for all of us. What do the funds raised through this and other initiatives, Tracy, help Camino Wellbeing and Mental Health do? Thank you for asking that. Uh, We are a community mental health organization. We provide services like uh, individual and family therapy. We support the newcomer community with their well-being. We we support community neighborhoods and uh, trying to make sure that youth have leadership opportunities. And we support some of the families in our community that are really struggling for many reasons that you and I have talked in the past about the uh, impact of food insecurity and the impact of um, housing uh, inaffordability and uh, and the, the continuing impact of COVID on people's well-being. So Camino really is a place that you can call when things just aren't feeling right for you and we will do our best. We have lots of free programs that we could connect you with. 
And uh, and so the donations that come from programs like this one with Conestoga the Mall and, and with all of our donors, every single one of our programs is supported by donors in some way. And so it really just allows us to provide all of these mental health and well-being services across uh, Waterloo Region. This love formation wall and communal well-being will be in the Winners Court area of Conestoga Mall until Wednesday, is that right? It will be, and you will see some volunteers there that would be happy to connect with you. I think we're there uh, tonight and Wednesday night, and there's a table there with uh, resources, so encourage people to uh, to pick something up as well and, and to look at what the, the services are that we offer in the community. It's a great bit of outreach, and and what a fantastic idea. Tracy, thanks very much for making time for the show today to talk about it. I appreciate it. Thank you, Mike. Appreciate it, too. Tracy Elop is the CEO of Camino Wellbeing and Mental Health. There is a love formation wall at Conestoga Mall in the Winners Court area. Just if you're there, and what a perfect place. In the hustle and bustle of a shopping mall, why not take a moment and pause and read that wall and see if one of those affirmations resonate with you. And for everyone that is affirmed for every card that is filled out, Conestoga Mall is making a $1 donation to communal well-being and mental health. You call that a little bit of a win-win. And we're able to learn about it this morning on the Mike Farwell Show. This is City News 570 and Rogers TV. Well, just like that, we have reached the midway point of our time together today, but plenty of conversation still to come, including, of course, our final hour, which is open lines for the 12 o'clock talkback. It is Monday, so David Drew will join us between 1130 and noon for Drew's Views. And following this update from the City News Centre, car theft in Canada will last week's summit bear any fruit. We'll talk more about that. Also, a quick note, if you're watching on Rogers TV Cable 20 this morning and you're looking at your screen saying, hang on, before that commercial break, Farwell was wearing a blazer, a suit coat. Now he's not. You're right. You're very observant. There's a reason for that, but it's not because it's blazing hot in here today. There's an entirely different reason that I will share when we start the 12 o'clock talk back. Have I got a story for you today? But that's coming a little bit later. The Car Theft Summit. Was it worth it? We'll talk about that next on the Mike Farwell Show on City News 570 and Rogers TV. Well, there's no denying that car theft is not just a problem, but a major problem in this country right now. And perhaps no place is the problem greater than right here in Ontario. So take late last week and a national summit on the issue during which Prime Minister Justin Trudeau suggested that perhaps his government would consider tougher penalties for auto theft. 
Dale Robinson knows a thing or two about the issue. Uh, Dale is the owner of Stealth Motorsports and joins the program. Dale, good morning to you as well. Thanks for making time for the show. My pleasure, sir. What did you make of last week's conversation at this summit about car theft in Canada? So my affiliation with a bunch of groups that attended and a bunch of regional police forces that uh, have skin in the game, let's call it, what I took from it and from what I've read and from what I've talked to people about, we seem to have a whole lot of blame game going on. You know, the Trudeau government seems to want to form, you know, blame the former government for slashing spending on border services. You know, they blame between this is a problem between insurance companies and automakers. So my take, a lot of conversation. There were good things that came out of the summit. But I'm not so sure that at this point we're going to see a whole lot of results very quickly. And there should be results really quickly, and there can be results really quickly. How can there be? That's what I'm really interested in, and I know you have some experience or ideas in that regard. Well, you know, I can tell you from the frontline workers, the guys, boots on the ground, as they like to call themselves, the police officers, the CBS agents, and and companies that, that work this problem. First off, choke off the ports. If you cut containers leaving the country, it cuts supply. There's no supply, there's no demand. Um, we need to hire more CBS agents to provide them with the right equipment. We need, and I can tell you this comes from a lot of top police officials, we need to be able to give our local police forces more jurisdiction, the right to search containers right on the spot if needed. Young Offenders Act, increased penalties. Trudeau touched on it. He said he'd look at it. There's no looking at it. We need these changes. These, these, I can tell you, these 13, 14, 15, 16-year-old kids are getting paid fifteen dollars to $3,000 to steal a car and drive it a kilometer away and park it. And if they get caught, and they are getting caught, they're out in a matter of hours or days and right back at it. It's easy money for them with no penalty. We need to bring experts and insurance companies, you know, the industry leaders that, that deal with this problem and work with them. Shipping container companies, the brokers, why are they not being held accountable? They need to be held accountable. They're the ones that are doing the manifest and the paperwork and dropping the containers at the ports. So there needs to be more oversight into what goes into those containers is what you're getting at there. That's that's one thing, and we need to be able to. We need the the, the guys at the CBS. Listen, there's my understanding is when I told there's roughly about seven people working, seven CBS agents working the port of Montreal. Whereas I believe the numbers are ten thousand containers going out daily. Less than one percent are inspected. That's ridiculous. If we can stop the cars from leaving the port. We choke it off. The demand will go down because, or the supply will go down because the demand can't be fulfilled if they can't get to these foreign countries. And there's no question, Dale, that it's organized crime that's behind this. It's a very lucrative operation. Absolutely. The technology they have doesn't come into just your regular joyriding car thief. These are are very well-equipped, very knowledgeable thieves. That, that have technology behind them. You know, one of the things that came out at the summit was that we need to change the laws on how 
thieves or criminals can buy the equipment to sniff out cars, to do CAN bus hacking or key cloning. You know, you, you can buy these things on Amazon and and Estee and, and those ones. Well, yeah, that's that's all well and good, and it shouldn't be allowed, but these thieves are smart. They've already come out and said, hey, no problem. We'll just do a post office box in the USA, and we'll have everything shipped there, and then we'll drive it across the border. It needs to be done, but it's not enough. I have heard, Dale, through all of these conversations about car thefts, because it's just a problem that continues to increase, that manufacturers have to play a role in this, too. Is there a role for automobile, automobile pardon me, manufacturers, too? Absolutely. And and they definitely need to step up in their game. And that is one of the, the, the better points that did come out of the summit was... Um, you know, we have the Canadian Manufacturers Association that has promised that they were going to step up. Um, this point about manufacturers is, believe it or not, they meet a standard already for mobilization on cars under the ULC. Well, let's look at reality. That standard was done in uh, 2009. We didn't have many push-button cars in the technology in cars in 2009. So, yeah, the manufacturers have to step up, but the government has to put through the new ULC 338 update standard, which is a big standard the manufacturers will have to meet. Now, the manufacturer's point is, is that's great. We're improving stuff. General Motors has done a big improvement. The problem is, is they openly admit that the thieves, you know, get ahead of them within months after they do an update. So... There has to be, you know, there has to be cooperation by all parties involved. And my opinion, that's not necessarily excluding or including industry leaders like, you know, insurance companies and stuff. It has to be by people that have boots on the ground in the government. Is there anything that... Joe and Jane public can do here? The the vehicle owners who might be worried that their vehicle is next. I've got a buddy that lives in this region that went back to the old-fashioned club to, and he said it's one of the most effective things he found. The way we look at it, and you talk to anybody that does alarm systems or mobilizers like I do, or police officers, uh, you know, we've got some big, well-spoken police officers in the Peel region, there is visual deterrence, and those are great. Whether it's a club, whether it's a throttle brace lock, whether it's a sticker on your car, these are visual deterrents. They help. These thieves want to get in and get out as quick as they can. Those visual deterrents never hurt. I have people that have an immobilizer that I've installed in their cars, and they still use a club. They're great. They work. But if you get a guy in a Range Rover that really wants it, that's got whether it's organized crime background or is a part of one of these rings, it's not going to slow. It's not going to slow them down, but it definitely does not hurt. I recommend it, even though my my company does not sell them or you know endorse them or anything. But I tell people all the time: the more visual deterrent, the better off you are. It's a starting point. Dale, I really appreciate your insight and expertise on this. Thanks very much for joining the show today. Thank you for having me on. Hope everybody has a great day. You too. Bye-bye. Thank you. Dale Robinson is the owner of Stealth Motorsports, knows a thing or two, and talks to the people whose boots are on the ground around this 
massive. Like, it really is a massive problem. Raise your hand. You can play the six degrees of separation from somebody who's had a vehicle stolen, can't you, these days? That's how prolific the operation has become. And we can have all the summits we want, but as Dale points out, we got to start getting to tangible solutions. Stiffer penalties? Sure. What about adding to the workforce with Canada Border Services? I've heard those same figures cited that Dale just cited. Seven people on the port. How can they possibly check 10,000 containers going out every day? Love to hear your thoughts on this. It's the Mike Farwell Show on City News 570 and Rogers TV. There has to be cooperation by all parties involved. And my opinion, that's not necessarily excluding or including industry leaders like insurance companies and stuff. It has to be by people that have boots on the ground in the government. Dale Robinson is the owner of Stealth Motorsports. He says a lot of talk at last week's summit about car theft in Canada. But what we really need is tangible action. 519-570-2545, star 570, and 1-800-570-5715. Let's go to the phones. Steve, good morning. Good morning. So, I've been paying close attention to this for quite some time now. And I know I've got a really unpopular opinion. Probably won't be well received. But... Of all the proactive measures that we could take, you know, asking the manufacturers to try and do something a little more secure, you know, I'm all for that. But we know when it comes to technology, thieves are always way ahead of the curve. In most cases, thieves are the ones who actually draw the curve. So what else can we do, right? And then you've got to look to the government, and you've got to look at the data, especially with car thefts, and why all of a sudden there's this huge influx. And, you know, it directly correlates to our open-door policy that we seem to have here in Canada for the last, what, 10 years, especially in the last four. And when you look at the headlines and then you see all these auto theft rings brought down and they post the pictures of everybody, you have to ask yourself, if the bulk of these crimes are being committed by people from from countries that, you know, either don't track their own crime or what have you, how are the vast majority of these people getting into the country? Like, you can't tell okay, me they wait, don't hang on, hang on a second. Crime. Hang on a second, Steve. I just want to be sure that I'm understanding correctly what you're saying. You're, you're blaming the increase in car thefts on immigrants? Have you been paying attention to the people when they... When they I'm, I'm, ask, I'm asking you directly. Is that honestly what you're saying? Yeah, I guess I am. Okay. Uh, I'll just leave. I'll just leave that one right there. I'll just leave that one right there because it's not a line that I am even remotely willing to draw. There are massive gaps in the system, and Steve is absolutely right on this. I will agree with him. The thieves, in many cases, are drawing the curve. Right? They're not just ahead of it; they're creating the curve. Uh, Chad sends an email to Mike at 570news.com. I work at one of the local auto auction sites. We're losing 10 to 12 vehicles at a time. They use the first vehicle to smash the fence, and then they all just drive out. It's very well organized, happens very quick. And not a whole lot of technology involved in that. And Sarah writes to Mike at 570news.com. People, it's a simple fix. Put your car in the garage. It's worth more than the kids' toys and bikes. If, Sarah, 
you have a garage, which we do not at the Farwell abode. I know there are some things that we can proactively do as vehicle owners, but again, to Steve's point, the thieves are way ahead of the curve here. Absolutely more border agents, absolutely some stiffer penalties because often it is young people that are being solicited into this work for some easy money. There are a lot of gaps in the system. We'll take a break, come back with more of your calls on the Mike Farwell Show, City News 570 and Rogers TV. Having a follow-up conversation after that national summit last week on car thefts in this country. Dale Robinson from Stealth Motorsport Sports, pardon me, joined us. Stealth Motorsports joined us. And you want to be a part of the conversation too. Back to the phones. Mary, good morning. Oh, good morning, Mike. And isn't that sun gorgeous? Simply sensational. Uh, sensational. Yeah. Well, in my humble opinion, um, the government should have, the federal government should have been putting more of these border uh, CBSs, I think that's what you call them. Uh, like, you, when you say there's that many containers and you have seven people, come on, get with it. Come on right? with your coming on, right? Well, that's right. And that could have been done two, three years ago. And it wouldn't have amounted to the number of vehicles stolen, which is costing us, because our... our, our uh, insurance will go up and things like that like that is the simplest direct way to fix the problem mary i do not disagree and it's interesting then it makes you wonder where we're putting our money right instead of hiring more canada border service agents what are we doing with it lisa good morning good morning mike I didn't hear the first part of the conversation so i'm not sure if it was mentioned but i would be curious to know um, percentage-wise, where the where the most cars are? Are they the high-tech ones that have, you know, the electronic remote start and all the specialty features, or are they the more low-tech? Like I'm still, I have a remote start for my my terrain, but that's pretty much it as far as fancy technology. I I laugh at that commercial with the the lady with and she's texting her key for her car to her friend yeah i know the one yeah you know i mean i'm thinking how easy it is to text the wrong phone number and and i just i some of this technology seems like it's maybe maybe we should go back to something that's a little bit more low tech we used to have a friend that had a 1937 oldsmobile and he would tell people if you can start it, you can drive. <laughs> because there was a button on the floor, and you had to turn the key and press the button, and it was standard. So, um, you know, let's all go back to standard, and nothing's ever going to get again. So, <laughs> anyway, Lisa, have a nice day, Mike. Thanks, you too. I, I hear where you're coming from. Sometimes lower tech was better. We're going to continue this as part of Drew's Views, which is coming up next. Stay with us. You're listening to The Mike Farwell Show on City News 570 and Rogers TV. <laughs> Has anybody heard from Crazy Dave? Has anybody heard from Crazy Dave? Has anybody heard from Crazy Dave? Now that cat couldn't spell to win a bet, but he carried this battered notebook full of his poetry. More soul per square word than the Lord's Prayer. He was the kind of guy that called a spade a shovel, and a violin a fiddle, and a lady ma'am. And I don't even know why I think of him now. Maybe because he never told me a lie he'd have to apologize for later. Because he'd speak to a guy straight, 
eyeball to bloodshot eyeball, like he'd never even had a secret. That is our man, David Drew, owner of Negotiating Change, Stakeholder Engagement, Government Relations Strategies. He joins us every Monday morning, 1130, for Drew's Views. Good Monday morning, sir. It's a great day. It really is. That sun coming out is a game changer. And it's sort of like, it feels cold compared to the last week. And then I'm like, yeah, but last middle of February, I'll take today. Thank you. Bingo. Bingo. On the list of things that you wished to discuss today is something that we just finished talking a little bit more about on the show. So let's start there. The car theft race to look relevant. So the first thing I want to say about this is I think so far Pierre Polyev is winning the communications war. And the reason I say that is when I think about what he is proposing to do, I get it. He's going to buy the scanners so every vehicle gets checked. Do I believe that's possible? No, but it's like Donald Trump building the wall. I know what he means. But for what came out of the Liberal Summit, far too much of the headline was a dollar amount. And you have no idea where that dollar amount is going. It's like last week when we were talking about the money being spent and you're like, is it, or that was the Friday four, and you're like, is this money good spent? I'm like, I have no idea because they just gave us a dollar amount. They don't say what they're spending it on. So I think so far Pierre Polyev is winning on it just because you can picture what is going to happen if Pierre Polyev is elected and gets his chance. You can't quite picture what came out of the summit. Now, that can change because we are going to get more details and rollouts. So it's very possible that we're calling the game at the end of the first period. But yeah, he's got the first period on this one. The next thing that I found so interesting, though, is this sort of feels like it came out of nowhere. It went from an issue that we all knew was a horrible thing to all of a sudden it's the nation's number one issue. And I don't quite understand how that happens so quickly without, you know, any of the normal signs where you can see the issue coming. You know, the healthcare issue of hallway healthcare, you know, that's a perpetual issue and you could always see it coming. But what was it about car thefts that has all of a sudden moved it from an issue that we all just sort of take for granted as going on to a national summit and... The two parties that have a chance of forming government after the next election are totally consumed with it. And I'm – everybody's talking about, you know, well, is it the technology in the cars? Is it the fact that it's such a light penalty and, you know, the allegation that, you know, such a percentage of the crimes are being committed by so few people who get arrested in the morning and are out on bail by noon? And I just – nobody really talks about COVID. It has been so hard to buy a new car since COVID came out. Isn't it possible that just the demand for these stolen cars is through the roof because you can't get a car any other way? Um, And I'm not saying that makes it okay, but in terms of is there a government policy that will fix this? Yeah, well, probably if you can choke off the distribution points at a port. Yeah. But is it... In terms of how we got here, is it a failing of this or a failing of that? And I'm just sort of like, well, supply chains, baby. That's all this really seems to be is people want cars. Cars aren't being made. Therefore, cars are being stolen because it's a lot more lucrative to sell a stolen car now. That, I just sort of look at this and it's like, am I the only person who sees the obvious? When supply goes down, the Laffer curve says that price goes up. 
it's an interesting, albeit rudimentary theory, but it does hold some weight with but me. But one thing I loved about what your guest said, and I can understand because he was like talking about supply and demand and supply and demand, and it was a bit twisted at points. But in this case, the demand is from the ports. And if you chalk off their ability to get the cars out at the ports, then there is no demand to pay all these 15-year-olds the money to steal cars. That's perfectly logical. And I really have no idea what the Liberals are proposing to do on this. And that's okay. They have time to announce details. But right now, this issue is so hot and sexy. And boom, we know that if Pierre Polyev is elected, every car will be inspected. Air quotes around that. (laughs) But right now, once again with the Liberals, we have this dollar amount. Like dollars solve problems. And... Dollars are just dollars. I have no idea whether they're going to one person's executive bonuses or to boots on the ground or to equipment, when it will arrive, when these people will be trained up and hired. It's just all very picture it in your own head. And that's not what we need in a case like this. Excellent reference subtly to executive bonuses as we talk about the mass layoffs, almost 5,000 people at Bell Media. And of course, media in this country has been the beneficiary of hundreds of millions of dollars in subsidy, and maybe just maybe some of that subsidy went to executive bonuses. I don't know. A few weeks ago, I for my podcast, I referenced a Canada Land who was working with a lawyer who worked with Big Tobacco, and his entire premise was that the regulatory regime created made tobacco a much more profitable industry. Apparently, after that, he went on to work in porn. I have not yet listened to today's episode, but it is with that same lawyer, and they are exploring the idea of regulatory capture to the benefit of, in this case, our media industries in Canada. And that's sort of where it gets interesting. You know, Rogers that owns this station, Bell that owns the stations that are all closing as of last week, um, they have licenses for the government's airwaves to use them. And in exchange for those airwaves, they are supposed to be providing local news. Whose job is it to enforce this? How are they going to enforce this? What is going to happen? No idea. But it's not an idea. Like, of course, news loses money. But you make billions, Bell, off the airwaves. And part of the reason you get to make that money is the covenant that you will provide local news. (sighs) <sighs> but did you know... I, am I allowed to say pissed off? Absolutely. Our oh. prime minister is pissed off. Yeah, that's great. Does, um, does, does all those employees a lot of good. Well, it, it, well, he's in a rough spot because he doesn't believe in the free market. So obviously, if the news industry is falling apart, there's got to be a government solution. <laughs> But what more can government really do other than just buy out Bell and take it over? You know, what more can they do? Can they put the long arm of the regulation down? Sure. And like, let's be honest, Bell and Rogers as well are in a little bit of this boat of their own making. And I don't know that they had a choice, but all of a sudden Netflix came out and all these networks and platforms started investing in their own streaming platforms. A lot of upfront cost, not a lot of profit high growth model. And what you end up doing is people are canceling 
their Bell TV subscription because for one-fifth the price, they can get Crave. So you are cannibalizing a high-profit model to get into something that is not making money yet. Um, so where, where does news fall into all of this? Well, by the wayside. And I don't understand where the CRTC is in all of this. Like, for all of the things that we've heard the CRTC crapping on networks about in terms of content, in terms of this little thing, in terms of political correctness, um, you have a license that requires you to provide the news, and that includes on weekends. Um, so we'll see where that goes. But you didn't hear much from Pierre Polyev on this one. And that, to me, makes kind of sense, because if all of a sudden he came out now talking about the importance of a free and independent media, I'm not sure that even I would be giggling if he said that. <laughs> he knows enough to steer clear of that one. But you have Justin Trudeau with his best drama teacher delivery talking about this. And it was very Shakespearean, and then he ended with, yes, and so I am pissed off. And it was just the... But David Eby, you know, good local boy, St. Yes, Mary's grad, UW grad, former turnkey, now premier of BC, he gave the best line about this. And it was about 90 seconds. And, you know, it's a lot easier for an NDP person to crap all over corporations than it is for a liberal or a conservative. But he talked about how these guys came in, bought these healthy local stations, cut them back, and now says... There's no interest in watching them because, and he referred to the their great contribution to the encrappening of the news in this country. He called them corporate vampires who had sucked all the life out of these stations when they purchased them. And it's so cool because like on the one hand, there's nothing provincial here. There's nothing provincial here. It's like if Doug Ford was to get up and complain about health care in Alberta. It's the best thing for you to complain about because there's no way somebody's going to say, well, why don't you do something about it? But it's really worth finding the David Eby clip because, oh, my gosh, it's the closest I've heard to a politician speaking like he did when I knew him at university. <laughs> <laughs> we will find that clip in David Eby's province. I worked for three of the radio stations that got sold last week. So it was part of the same network. But I would be very interested to go back to those stations Is there today. a cause and effect there? Like, what do you... No, there is not. Like, I'm just wondering, you don't need me next week because it's family day, but... <laughs> no, there is not, David Drew. <laughs> David joins us. I'd like to find out how much life has been sucked out of those stations I worked for all those years ago. David Drew joins us every Monday morning at 11.30. Drew's views, healthcare, pharmacare, and a podcast recommendation still coming up. Stay with us. This is the Mike Farwell Show on City News 570 and Rogers TV. David Drew joins us in studio every Monday morning at 11.30. Drew's views. We've talked car thefts. We've talked layoffs at one of Canada's largest media companies. Let's talk about healthcare and or pharmacare. I don't know, David. I heard about $3.1 billion for healthcare last week. What say you? It's interesting timing that this big announcement on healthcare came through, and I'm not implying anything sinister when I say interesting, but it came out pretty much the same week that Jugmeet Singh was saying, if we don't get our pharmacare, we're pulling the plug. And I just saw this announcement, and I was going through my head, and it's like, so if I'm Justin Trudeau, and Jugmeet pulls the plug and forces an election on this because I didn't deliver pharmacare, I'm going to be able to say $3.1 billion to Ontario Healthcare. 
at what does the average voter going to care about more, healthcare or pharmacare? So I'm looking at this thinking if there's a little, like, I don't know that Jugmeat has a big threat to wave. He never has, though. He's not really going to pull the plug on anything, is he? Well, it's, it's just what's really neat, though, is he would have been able to say before, you know, pulled the plug because they didn't keep their word. Whereas now with the money starting to flow, Justin Trudeau was able to say, we can't afford to do everything. <laughs> health, Even though he's been trying. Our public health care is a covenant that we cannot, you know, and he's on much more stable ground. And it just ties me back to everybody federally is in this really interesting zone where the biggest threat to Pierre Polyev is Pierre Polyev. The second biggest threat to Pierre Polyev is Justin Trudeau resigning. Um, Jugmeet Singh, does he really want to get Pharmacare out of the federal government? And I think he does because he doesn't care about political results. But from a Machiavellian point of view, does he really want to get Pharmacare out of the government, say we got everything we wanted, as opposed to say we have a fight with them? Right, right. Um, so it's, it's this weird thing where everybody is looking for somebody else to make a mistake or create an issue. And Doug Ford, $3.1 billion, thank you very much. We don't, we, we understand it's going to be going to doctors and we're going to be getting more staff, but it takes a while to build a doctor. Um, so are we going to be seeing results of this quickly? And if we don't. Whose fault is it, Doug Ford's or the federal government's? Because, you know, there were two signatures on this. Give me accountability. I want to know who to blame for the health care we are getting, and I want to hold that person accountable or that level accountable. This whole idea right now of here's a $3.1 billion. We just gave them $3.1 billion. Yeah, but you told us we had to spend it on these things, and this is how we had to do it, and that's slowing us down. And whose fault is it? I don't care. I want someone to blame. I think that is a fair request on your part. Okay, about 90 seconds, but we want to get to the podcast you always recommend for us. This week is It's Political. It's Political, hosted by Althea Raj. And this week it's is Canada's consensus on immigration fracturing. And this is an issue we talk about a whole lot, not directly, but we talk about housing. And the immigration issue comes up. We talk about international students and the immigration issue comes up. And I have always believed that Canadians are very supportive of a generous, well-functioning immigration system. The question we have right now is, are we supportive of a generous, not well-functioning immigration system? I don't see any evidence out there that Canadians are becoming more xenophobic or racist. But there is a whole lot of, we've got to take care of stuff at home before, you know, the party's full. We can't trash the house anymore. We've got to fix the beams before we can have another party in this house. Really well said. And Althea does great work. It's always fun, David. Thanks for being here. Enjoy the sunshine. I'm going to take the dog for a walk. David Drew, the owner of Negotiating Change, Government Relations, Stakeholder Engagement Strategies, joins us every Monday at 1130 for Drew's Views. It's part of the Mike Farwell Show on City News 570 and Rogers TV. We are fast approaching the noon hour and an update from the City News Centre. Of course, the noon hour is also the hour at which our friends at Rogers TV Cable 20 leave us 
for the day. So my sincere thanks to Robert and the entire team for producing the last couple of hours. On the TV side of this show, we do appreciate the hard work. And Rogers TV will be with us again, of course, tomorrow from 10 until noon. We continue with your 12 o'clock talk back hour on the radio side of this program. And we will start that with something that happened yesterday that I still am coming to terms with this morning. I'm doing my very best to put on my best game face here today. But there's a reason that I've had to begin removing layers of clothes here in the studio again, and it's not because it's hot in here. I will share that story as we begin the 12 o'clock talkback hour right after the update from the City News Centre. Once again, thank you to our friends at Rogers TV Cable 20 for producing the TV side of this show. Here comes your update from the City News Centre, and then open lines to hear from you on the 12 o'clock talkback hour. It's the Mike Farwell Show on City News. Take out the papers and the trash Or you don't get no spending cash If you don't scrub that kitchen floor You ain't gonna rock and roll no more Don't go back Just finish cleaning up your room Let's see that dust fly with that broom Get all that garbage outside Or you don't go out Friday night Just when you thought that any of these jobs here were the easiest jobs anywhere. Paul McPhee, reading the new news for you. And now you think he probably puts his feet up until the next time he has to read the news, right? I just sit here and talk for four hours a day. I come in at 8.59 a.m., start the show after the 9 o'clock news. I go home at 1.01 p.m. There's nothing else in between. No such thing as work around here. And then there is the guy on the other side of the glass, Devin Robertson. All he has to do is play the commercials, right? Answer the calls when you make them, and you make a lot of them during the 12 o'clock talkback hour. 519-570-2545, star 570, 1-800-570-5715. Our 1-800 line is even ringing as we begin the 12 o'clock talk back today. It's either toll-free Jay or our buddy Kyle, who is in an outlying area and using the 1-800 line from there. Nonetheless, Devin has all of that to do on top of dealing with me and my shenanigans here. And I had just said to him a moment ago, I want to chat with you about something. So while Devin continues answering the phone calls here during the 12 o'clock talk back and getting you lined up, I promised I would share this story because quite frankly, I have to if for no other reason than a public service announcement. Because I think, I mean, if you're anything like me, and I will confess to being a city here, I love the rural parts of our community. I love visiting them. I wouldn't last a day working in any of them. I can almost promise you that. However, if you're anything like me, you probably have smelled a skunk at a time or two in your life, right? I mean, we have all smelled skunk before. Devin Robertson, the guy on the other side of the glass, you've smelled skunk before, right? It's a great misfortune, yes. What is wrong with your microphone? You're not even there. 
There you go. Oh, hello. Hello. You sounded like you were a million <laughs> miles away from me. Yeah, sorry about that. That's okay. Technical error. To your uh, great misfortune, yes, you have smelled skunk. Yeah, and on dog more often than I'd like. Really? Yeah. Skunk on dog, you say? Yep. Interesting. So if you have smelled skunk on dog, were you in close enough proximity to skunk to like really smell skunk? Uh, I wasn't there. I'd let the dog out into the backyard. And he came back with a lovely surprise for me. Gotcha. Okay. So I didn't personally, but... I guess, I guess that the mansion that you live in is far, (laughs) far larger than our humble abode. But last night, so this all ties together with what you just said. And Devin was not prepped for this in any way, by the way. Last night, we enjoy the Super Bowl, have some good friends over to enjoy the Super Bowl with us. It's a thrilling game. Of course, it's a thrilling day for Rosie the Pandemic Pup. Not only did she get her walk earlier in the day, but then there are people in the house that she's not overly familiar with, so that's a big thrill. The game comes to an end. There's a lot of cheering because what an exciting finish. Rosie is awakened from her peaceful slumber, and she joins the party a little bit, and then indicates that she needs to go outside. So outside goes Rosie the Pandemic Pup. This is after the game last night. So we're now 11 o'clock. And we're just kind of, you know, finishing off the night with friends, saying our goodbyes and stuff. And I thought, I thought I got a whiff of skunk. And my first thought was, no disrespect intended, but one of our neighbors really enjoys the wacky tobacco. And so I thought maybe he's just outside and, you know, with the door to the backyard opening and closing. You know, he's just outside enjoying a post-game puff, let's say. But then the smell got more and more distinct. And all of a sudden we realized, hang on a second here. This ain't the wacky tobacco. This is the skunk. And at this point, I would describe it to you as, up until last night, what I would think is the typical skunk smell. Right? We've all smelled skunk before. But now... We got to go check on Rosie the Pandemic Pup. And let me tell you something. Opening that back door was like hell's fury had been unleashed in the backyard. So poor Rosie, who, to her credit, came when called and was drenched. We now, we can't let her back in the house. Or we hope not to. Like, not right away. We got to start planning. This has never happened before. We got to figure out a way here. Let me tell you, the hardest 10 or so minutes of my life, no, I shouldn't say that, but certainly the most obnoxious, foul-smelling 10 minutes of my life was standing at the back door with the dog while she wondered, what's going on, dude? And we were kind of getting things arranged in the house to try to get whatever needs to be done to clean her up. Your eyes sting? I, I wanted to... I wanted to throw up the delicious wings and all kinds of great food that we ate all night. It was the most, like, I've never, ever, not one time in my life experienced their smell of skunk, and then there was that. If you've ever, you know, I can't describe it to you, but this is now getting right back around to the reason I've been taking off layers of clothes today, because I've, it must be in my pores. It must be in my very pores, because I feel like my clothes smell, like everything. I can't believe it. It still smelled inside the house today. Inside the house. Devin, please tell me 
that this is going to go away? Uh, eventually. Eventually when, please? Uh, I mean, I think the last time a dog got sprayed by a skunk in my household, it ling- it stays on the dog for like a week. And to the point where, like, when you pet the dog, if you're petting the dog, where skunk got on the dog? The skunk, the, I'll tell you this much. Everywhere is the answer. Yeah. Fortunately, it seemed to have missed her eyes, which I understand can be a real concern, so. Yeah, it's, and, like, when you pet, then you'll get that smell Ugh. on your hand, or at least in my experience. So it's a, it's a tough time ahead. We did the hydrogen peroxide baking soda yeah. and dish soap bath last night. Yeah, that's the, the like best way right so we did that full-on last night we managed to get thanks to a cancellation a spa appointment today so she's going to get her next bath but i am telling you it is in my pores it's on my clothes it is in my being i feel like it must be somewhere in my sinuses still it is the most obnoxious thing i have ever experienced in my life now i know what real skunk smells like and it took up the whole neighborhood in Central Kitchener last night. Our apologies for Rosie mixing it up with a ding-dang skunk. It's the 12 o'clock talkback hour. Hey, if you've ever really smelled skunk or you've got tips for getting it the hell out of our house, I'm happy to hear them because it's in my pores right now. And we'll take your calls. It's the Mike Farwell Show on City News 570. o'clock talk back where we get to hear from you let's go to the phones mark good afternoon good afternoon mike um a quick story on the skunk smell <clears throat> are you there oh i'm here okay um i got a neighbor <laughs> um i i have no issues with him but i smell skunk all the time <laughs> the guy grows it he smokes it all the time and i always get a whiff of it in the air but you know what teacher on mike i have no problem with that Neither do I, Mark. And let me tell you, it is nothing. It is absolutely trivial compared to the actual smell that okay. I, I still have in my nostrils today. Okay. Reason okay. I'm calling, though, Mike. Yes. I don't understand what Taylor sees in uh, Kelsey. You don't I, understand? I don't, li- I, I don't like the guy, and I'll tell you why. Okay. Especially after yesterday's game. I didn't like what he did to his coach, number one. And then... He's very obnoxious, I believe. At the end of the game, he sang um, Viva Las Vegas. I don't know if you've seen that or not. I did not see it. Okay, good thing, because it was terrible. Anyway, um, I don't know what she sees in the guy. I don't like him. Trade him. They will still have a great team. All right, Mark, I appreciate the call. What Taylor Swift sees in Travis Kelsey is up to her. Obviously, Travis Kelsey is not Mark's type. I did not like, though, also the way that Travis Kelsey physically bumped into his coach in frustration. That was not cool from where I was sitting. Mike, good afternoon. Oh, Michael, I feel your pain. Um, five years ago, I with my former dog, Oliver, who was a schnauzer, he ran onto the Evergreens, 
and and on their backyard and flushed out a skunk. And that thing went off like a claymore mine. It stunk up everything, and I walked through the um, walked through the vapor. Let's just say, oh, uh, it's unreal, isn't it? It's unreal. Yeah. Well, you're lucky. I think your beloved wife there allowed you. The woman who rules the house, um, in my case, would not let me back in the house with the dog. And she came out to the garage, brought fresh clothes out. She took my clothes that I had on and burned them. Um, The woman of the house then called the uh, vet. I had to go to the vet and get... uh, something called skunk oat. Tomato juice doesn't work, Mike. The vet told me that. And then I went to the family doctor. And he was, his uh, receptionist was standing outside his office saying, no, don't come in, Mike. Here's a prescription. And then I went over to Westmont Pharmacy and they filled a prescription that made me a shampoo that took the most of the skunk out. But, Mike, that stuff lasted for weeks for me. I, I stunk. My boss sent me home because I stunk. It was bad. Uh, I was working from home. Well, thanks for that. That was really bad. Mike, I appreciate it. Misery does love company. I I haven't been asked to leave yet. Fortunately for Devin Robertson, he is literally on the other side of the glass, two panes between us in a small hallway. So he's lucky, I think, because it is. And and my beloved and I took took the bullet together last night. We worked on this until after midnight. She ends up sleeping in the living room because we didn't want the dog getting back up onto the furniture, right? So the dog had to stay on the dog bed. That's more easily burned if need be and then replaced as opposed to the sofa and everything else. She's home dealing with it today. I'm just here stinking up the radio station because I smell terrible. I can't get it out of my nostrils. Veronica, good afternoon. Hi, Mike. Uh, so this is Veronica, uh, second time calling you. It's uh, it's just <laughs> have a good laugh listening to all of you guys because most of your adventures have to do with uh, dogs. Mine had to do with cats. We are cat lovers family, and we had uh, at this time 2005. We had uh, Roberta, <laughs> our cat Bobby. <laughs> she was so territorial. Cats are territorial, right? So we have an open no fence backyard and anything. So we know we know. Uh, whatever comes into the backyard comes in. Anyway, my husband is a smoker. We get ready every single day for the last 35 years. We get ready to go to work 5.30 in the morning. We're up, starting moving around. He's a smoker. So the first thing he has to do after he goes to the washroom is go for a smoke. He smokes a pipe. (laughs) So he steps out the porch. And, you know, at that time, we still have cats. We have cats all the time, even after Bobby passed away, our our lovely one. Um, so he's the moment he steps out for a smoke, cats go outside, and uh, and Roberta went out. Well, by the time he's ready, he comes back home. That was at five thirty-five. By the time she's, he's ready to go, really take off to go to work, we we don't have a garage. We have a carport, so you know it's all open. He takes to the side door, and Bobby, she comes flying like a rocket, and my husband goes, "Okay, he's going to work." Well, he leaves me. With the problem, Uh-oh. he just walked away <laughs> because smokers don't seem to have the same ability to, to to smell like like most normal people do do right. So he steps out, he goes to work, he takes on his truck, and bye, you know, I'm having a good day. And she is down immediately, shoots herself to the basement, and I go, "What?" She usually doesn't come back like that, running that that fast. And I immediately go, "Hey, Bobby, what's wrong with you?" 
And then, of course, it was just the whole basement. Needless to say, uh, you know what? I could only live for so long with that smell. We had to renovate the basement. Oh, my gosh. No, no more renovations, Veronica. No, 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 no. So immediately, of course, I had to deal with her, you know, take her to the janitor sink in the laundry room and wash her as much as she could. Uh, and be, none of other, no other cats we have had are that territorial. You know, they realize, okay, there's a skunk in there. They stay away. Not her. She decided to put on a fight with it. And she lost that fight. We all lost that fight. We all lose the fight. That's right, Veronica. <laughs> but really, renovate the... Because uh, I could only, you know, keep living with that smell for a year or so, and that's it. Tearing oh. everything away. And, you know, it, it's it's a beautiful renovation, you know, even 10, 15 years later. And just a good story to talk about. But even the kids, they, they remember, Mom, remember when Bobby came back home? Yes, I do. It's still in my in my, in my my nose. Exactly. Even my kids, my kids, they still say, Mom, you have a nose like a, like a hound. No, I don't. I said, <laughs> you know, you know, once burned, twice shy, right? That's right, Veronica. Thank you for your call. You're welcome. <laughs> have a good day. My beloved is going to renovate me. That's going to be the problem because I'm telling you this is in my pores. It's the 12 o'clock talkback hour of the Mike Farwell Show on City News 570. I'll get right back to the phones at 519-570-2545. Star 570-1800-570-5715. Paul, good afternoon. Good morning. That too. Just to throw you off. (laughs) Listen, first off, when it comes to dogs, if it's not a lab, it's just a dog. Easy. If it's not not a chocolate, it's just a lab. Okay. Now, having had labs all the time, uh, you know, and uh, they always have contact with skunks. The uh, first thing you got to do is when you go to the back door to let them back in, as soon as you get that whiff, you better be prepared to detain the dog. It doesn't matter, towel, blanket, whatever, throw it over and just wrap it up there as tight as he can. I'm fortunate. My dog comes in through the laundry room, the back door is on the laundry room. So from there, it's uh, <clears throat> either in the laundry tub, which is a little small for my dogs these days. So I just take them straight into the bathroom, throw them in the tub, put a towel down uh, the ground so they don't slide around too much. And then now one thing, because I've always had dogs, I always have skunk shampoo. I've got one in the bathroom I got one in the, uh, I carry one with me uh, in the travel trailer. The uh, one thing you don't want to do, don't let that dog get through your house. Because the first thing they do is uh, they got sprayed in the face. And they're going to be rubbing their face on all the furniture. And it'll take a little while for that to clear, but it will clear. But, you know, you just, uh, uh, the other great thing, labs, being water dogs, it doesn't really soak in that bad. So I just hose them down, wash them down, and use the skunk shampoo a few times. The uh, uh, I usually, I'll have my son retain the dog while I change and just put on a pair of shorts because there's no way you're not going to get soaked. And you just, you know, like I say, go at it, scrub them down. The, uh, within a couple of days, the scent's gone. Paul, I appreciate that. It makes me feel like there's hope here. But I'm still wondering about the hope for me personally. Nobody is going to want me at work. Oh, wait a minute. Maybe this is part of a master plan I just came up with. I like it. We'll take more calls on the 12 o'clock talk back right after this update from the City News Center on the Mike Farwell Show. City News 570. 
Quick shout out to Jake. You were next in the queue. I understand you're a busy guy. Had to go. But if you have a moment to call back, we'll put you right at the top of the phone lines. 519-570-2545, star 570, and 1-800-570-5715. Sean, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Mike. Holy smokes, when I heard this story, boy, boy do I feel for you. Because I've lived this. It's awful. It's the it's, worst. It's the worst. And I'm, I've got bad news for you. As much as Paul said it gets out and it goes away... It doesn't go away. Here's what happened to our, our dog, Ziggy. Uh, I was away one night when my wife and her son were away on a trip to Costa Rica. So my mother-in-law, God bless her soul, was alone in the house here. She was living with us at the time. I was away for the evening. I came back the next day, and I walked in, and the smell in the house was outrageous. And I said, What's, wh- what are you making for dinner? Because she had a, a roast in the oven. And I was like, what, what, is, what are you cooking? And she said, oh, just, just a pot roast. But do you think do you smell something? And I was like, yeah, I smell something. And, and she said, I think the dogs might have got skunked. And I said, oh, when did that happen? And she said, last night. So my mother-in-law had invited the dogs back in after the dogs got skunked in our backyard. And they had been in the house for a good 20 hours at that point. Oh, dear. And they got on everything, on the bed, on the couch, on the dog beds, on the carpets. I had to throw out so much stuff because we tried we washed and washed and washed and washed but we had to throw out an entire sectional couch we had to throw out the dog beds we had to throw out bedding we had to throw out rugs in the house and the beauty of all beauties is this happened literally the day everything was shutting down for covid so the dump was closed i had to race to get her into a group to get him into a groomer to get shampooed it was the craziest thing ever. Now, what I want to tell you is that smell you have in your nostrils, that lasted for me for weeks. It was weeks, and it was horrendous. The only thing I could do to solve it was literally, laugh if you must, dryer sheets. I would take dryer sheets, and I would literally rub the base, like my upper lip, with it. And it was the only thing. It's in your pores. It's in the hair follicles in your nose. And you'll smell it for a long time. And I'm really sorry to tell you that. I'm li- listen, but- I, we used some Vicks Vapor Rub last night to take away, you know, to give us something else, which was nice for about five minutes. My yeah. problem, Sean, is like it's me. One of my coworkers actually said this morning, and maybe it's because I was telling him the story, but he's like, no, you smell. Like you, it is. I, you. But it no, is, I, yeah. I, I'll live with it in my nostrils. I don't want it to be me. I can't so be. So that's the thing. How so many showers? It, 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 I, a lot. Uh-huh. It was a lot. And, and the clothes, too. So all of a sudden... You get in your car, you don't smell anything, and then you go do something and you come back and you come in your car and you realize, well, your pores have put it onto your clothes, which then put it into your car, and then you smell it when you come back. It's a long process and a lot of washing. Thanks for nothing. Good luck. Yeah, appreciate it. That's great. The only, I, I guess, solace I will take from that is we got the dog washed the first time outdoors. And while I was out buying the hydrogen peroxide and baking soda for the next washing, the dog was still outside. Thank goodness it was a mild February. Could you imagine if it was minus 20 last night? So the dog got washed outside and then carried from the back door into the bathtub for her cleaning. So not 20 hours in the house, but I'm telling you, from standing outside with the dog, I feel like this, because the, the smell is indescribably bad, and I feel like it got into me even though the spray must have been dissipating from somewhere in the backyard. But even being out, 
in the wake of it was honestly nauseating. Murray, what do you got to say? Hey, listen, uh, I'm on my third dog, and he's the only one that hasn't got sprayed yet. <laughs> and I've had skunks like uh, 20 feet outside my door at my apartment. Oh. But uh, that's not what I want to tell you about. I want to call, and uh, I'm pretty sure I called and told you about this when it happened. Do you remember when they did all that construction on Sean's Health? Yes. And they had the, the, uh, the Fountain Street Bridge out by Blair was closed. And there was only one way out of here. Down Fountain and then out King. Right down in front of the Pines Restaurant, somebody was nice enough to run over a skunk there. And people had been driving through it with their cars. And, stuff. and I feel sorry for those guys because they went home with a stinky car. And that lasted for like a week. And the traffic was, was horrendous, man. And you had to go and, and try to wait for the light. And you're sitting there and that's all you can smell is this damn skunk, buddy. Thanks, man. Yeah. Thanks for nothing, Murr. But that's what I loved about construction on Sean's Hell. Preston became like the Hotel California. You can check in anytime you like, but you could never leave. Kyle, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Well, I heard that your dog got sprayed, so I'm going to give you some Slavic advice. Oh, gosh. Okay. How to get rid of it. All right. So first of all, you're going to need a shot glass or you need a spray bottle. And you're going to take a, the cheapest bottle of vodka you have. You're going to take a shot of that vodka to get you through the smell of cleaning your dog. Then you're going to take that spray bottle, the same one, and put that cheapest vodka of, of that in there because we know that vodka kills everything. Add about a shot of honey, mix it up, spray your dog, let it sit for about five minutes, then bring your dog to the bathroom, give it a wash with uh, some uh, shampoo and conditioner, and boom, the smell will never be back. You're going to spray your dog with vodka? That stuff kills everything. Have you ever done a shot of vodka? That no, but, stuff will kill everything. But it's That's my dog. I love my dog, Kyle. I don't want to spray her with vodka. Well, it's the Slavic way of doing things, my friend. We to add vodka to everything. <laughs> okay, Kyle. Thank you. I don't know if I'm going to take that advice because I really do love the dog. None of this is her fault. I just, I can still, Dev, do I smell bad? Like, be honest with me, dude. Like, do I smell like skunk? I haven't noticed a smell of skunk in the office today. But you're over there. But I'm all the way over here. You want me to come over there during the commercials? (laughs) Sure. (laughs) It's your 12 o'clock talk back hour. This is the Mike Farwell Show, City News 570. I think talking about the unholy smell of skunk is having an effect on me. Like, my eyes are starting to burn. I swear, like it was within minutes, 90 seconds maybe, of Rosie the Pandemic Pup getting drenched by the backyard skunk last night that we were outside trying to deal with it. And I'm not even joking. I feel as <laughs> my sinuses are exploding. I'm the one... I am now the skunk. Tomorrow, it will no longer be the Mike Farwell show. It will be the Pepe Le Pew show here on City News 570. Let's go back to the phones on our 12 o'clock talk back. Grant, good afternoon. Good afternoon, sir. <laughs> and to you, sir. <laughs> Fine. I got a, an old remedy that's been used for many years, and I've never had to do it myself. But uh, I'll tell it to you, and you suit yourself. Uh, I've never heard of Kyle's, but anyways... Uh, the remedy that I was always told, uh, ketchup or tomato juice. Get yourself uh, two or three cans of tomato juice and uh, have them just uh, 
room temperature, open it up and and give your dog uh, uh, kind of a bath with that, but let it sit on for, you know, about 10, 15 minutes, and then wash it off. And do the same with that uh, uh, bed of his, and then uh, give it some time. And when it comes to yourself, drink tomato juice. Uh, a swallow or two of tomato juice may help uh, the order uh, give you some relief. And, uh, yeah, that's one of the old remedies that been used here uh, from, for generations for the old farmers. So uh, I've never had to use it, but it's very inexpensive, a lot cheaper than vodka. <laughs> All right, Grant, thank you. I'm still not sure I'm going the vodka way, unless it's only to consume it myself so I can be pleasantly drunk and not so concerned about smelling like a skunk everywhere I go. This studio tomorrow, I have no idea what it's going to be like. Mary, how do you think Rob Snow is going to like the studio this afternoon? Hi, Mary. Hi. Hi. I said to Devin, are you skunky? No, I am. Yes, he's not. I'm skunky. He protected himself. Yeah. Oh, there's nothing worse than skunk. Oh my huh? goodness! I I did thought you it ever was. Never know that. Well, Mary, I I did, except like I've only smelled them from a distance. This was like legit within oh, seconds of. Oh my! It's never in my life have I, I smelled it. something I like it. that. I get it. I yeah. get it. Yeah. I had yeah. a little shelter. Um, you know, let it let it out. Uh, in the night to late evening for the last pee and oh my god she came in and she had been sprayed and the old old that's a while ago and the thing was always tomato juice uh, to bathe them in tomato juice now different ones have said this doesn't work um i don't mind kyle's thing with the vodka i'm telling you well i'm sure i'm sure you don't mary <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, and then then uh, I inherited a bigger dog, and also the little one, you know, you could bathe it. And I think your little dog is small. And But you know what? Um, I went to work the next day, and then the, the girls are saying, your purse stinks. And I'm telling you, Mike, that's smell stayed in there for days and weeks. I'm not surprised, Can Mary. Can you believe it? And also, I would recommend to you uh, a nasal rinse. That's a good idea. Lavage, because it's hanging in your nostril hairs. It is indeed. Yeah. I, I got the uh, hairs in my nostril, but not on the top of my head. <laughs> um, my sympathy to you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Mary. Oh, now you laugh at me, though, eh? <laughs> <laughs> Have a good afternoon. Yeah, laugh away. Yuck it up, Mary. You're not the one that smells like skunk today. It's the Mike Farwell Show. Our 12 o'clock talkback hour continues on City News 570. Four minutes to one. An update from the City News Center at that time. Then now you know with Rob Snow. Plenty of time to go back to the phones and hear from you. Chrissy, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Chrissy, are you a first-time caller? I am. Yeah! Yes! Yeah! 
My favorite kinds of callers are you, Chrissy. Thank you. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you. I'm just going to tell you what I did. Okay. We have a little terror. He's a Yorkshire Terrier who chases everything out of the yard. He doesn't care what it is. Of course. So he's been sprayed twice in the same month. As if. And my whole house, I'm not even kidding you, it is the worst. And as for them telling you the smell is gone in a couple weeks, when your poor little Rosie gets wet in the rain, you're going to smell the skunk. Oh, Chrissy. I'm so sorry. What about now, the house? What about you? The house, <laughs> the house, what we did is we actually boiled the vinegar in a pot. And then we took it off the stove and we just left the vinegar in the pot okay. for a few days to try and actually absorb the smell. And I did burn some candles because it is the worst smell. As for my husband, he got sprayed with the dog once. Um, we, he washed in the same ba- uh, baking, baking soda peroxide and dish soap. Do you still have the husband, washed- Chrissy? Did you keep him? I did because he ran out to try and save the dog. And, you know, my (laughs) husband actually smelled the second time worse than the dog. Oh. I felt so bad for my husband. He went downstairs. He showered. But then he left me his underwear in the laundry room, which permeated the smell of the house. (laughs) And I'm like, you should have just thrown them out. So if your clothes are stinky, I would just remove them from the home and double bag it and get rid of it. All right. That's a good. That's, That's my advice. Chrissy, thank you. I appreciate you for being a first-time caller and for your advice. Yeah, but good <laughs> luck. And I'm sure Rosie will encounter more. I'm sorry. Oh, dear. That's that's what I'm afraid of. I, I just actually responded to another email from uh, my friend Arissa who said, same idea, gut-wrenching, caused her oh. nausea. And then I said, I might not let the dog out in the dark anymore. Like, sorry, Rosie, you're holding it between like 7 p.m. and 6 a.m. in the wintertime. I know, isn't that horrible, but... <laughs> It's, you know, it is an awful smell, and I wish you the best. But I did vinegar. I don't know if it actually works. I mean, the smell disappears after about a, you know, about a week. Yeah. But I would get rid of the clothes. And, yes, when Rosie gets wet, you're going to smell it. Thanks for the warning, Chrissy. All right. All have right. a great day. You too. Bye-bye. Good to hear from you. Hey, Mark Channer at Channers in Uptown Waterloo. I'm, I'm coming in for a wardrobe change because, oh, maybe I should wear the current clothes in there. And Mark will be like, yeah, you need some new clothes. Uh, Rudy, I got about 30 seconds. Okay. My first Siberian got sprayed with any dog with long hair. Don't bother with the tomato juice. It doesn't work. They'll shake it and you'll have tomato juice all over the bathroom. <laughs> okay. I did that once. I learned. I, I, I had a friend, a dog groomer. She came over the next day and washed it with the stuff called skunk off. It works. I've heard good things. <laughs> yeah, it works. And otherwise, for yourself, yeah, tomato juice on a human, but not on dogs. Thanks, Rudy. You're a good man. I will bathe in anything required to not smell like this anymore. Thanks for your help, and thanks for being a part of the 12 o'clock talk back today. And the rest of the show, we love having you to be a part of it. Now you know with Rob Snow is coming up from 1 until 3. We'll be back tomorrow morning, of course, starting at 9. Devin Robertson is the guy on the other side of the glass. My name is Mike Farwell. Bye for now.